I encourage you to open your Bibles once again to 1 Peter, the first epistle of Peter, as we continue our study, Tracing the Rainbow Through the Rain. With every session, I want to start at the beginning by reminding you of the context of the letter. It is so vitally important that we understand the context. Remember, Peter is writing to hurting believers, and Peter is trying to encourage these suffering saints by pointing them to the one who suffered for them and all that his suffering has made available to them, namely salvation here and heaven hereafter. But in the last session, we closed with this question, to whom specifically was Peter called to strengthen and encourage? The answer to that question will help us understand the audience to whom he is writing. If you have your Bibles in front of you, I encourage you to open them to Acts chapter 15. Acts chapter 15. Paul and Barnabas had traveled to Jerusalem. They had been seeking to reach the Gentiles, and there were great debate over the rules and regulations that needed to be followed by these Gentiles that they were reaching for the name of Christ. And Peter is the leader of the council at Jerusalem. And in the midst of this heated debate, Peter speaks up, and in verse 7 of Acts chapter 15, Peter states, after there had been much debate, Peter stood up and said to them, Brethren, you know that in the early days God made a choice. Notice we said one of the criteria for being an apostle that they had been chosen by God for a particular assignment. Peter says, God made a choice among you that by my mouth the Gentiles would hear the word of the gospel and believe. God, who knows the heart, testified to them, giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he also did to us, and he made no distinction between us and them, that is, between Jew and Gentile, cleansing their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why do you put God to the test by placing upon the back of these disciples a yoke which neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear? But we believe that we were saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ in the same way as they also are. All the people kept silent, and they were listening to Barnabas and Paul as they were relating what signs and wonders God had done through them among the Gentiles. So the issue at the Council of Jerusalem was reaching the Gentiles with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Peter speaks up very distinctively and very definitely and says, I need to remind you, this debate has already been settled because God has chosen me to take the Gentiles the gospel of Jesus Christ. When did God call Peter specifically to take the gospel to the Gentiles. Acts chapter 10. Now there was a man at Caesarea named Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian cohort, a devout man and one who feared God with all his household and gave many alms to the Jewish people and prayed to God continually. About the ninth hour of the day, he clearly saw in a vision an angel of God who had just come in and said to him, Cornelius. 
and fixing his gaze on him and being much alarmed, he said, What is it, Lord? And he said to him, Your prayers and alms have ascended as a memorial before God. Now dispatch some men to Joppa and send for a man named Simon, who is also called Peter. He is staying with a tanner named Simon, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who was speaking to him had left, he summoned two of his servants and a devout soldier of those who were his personal attendants. And after he had explained everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. So we get the setting of this particular narrative. Cornelius, a Gentile, has a vision that he is to send some of his servants to Joppa to bring back a man named Peter so that he might hear more about the gospel of Jesus Christ. While Cornelius is having this particular vision, Peter goes to the roof to rest in the heat of the day, and Peter himself has a vision. And in Peter's vision, a blanket comes down with all kinds of animals, clean and unclean, and an angel of the Lord tells Peter, take and eat. As Peter awakes very troubled from this vision, there's a knock on the door at the house of Simon, and it is the attendants of Cornelius who come asking for Peter. Peter goes with these servants back to the home of Cornelius and shares the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is Peter's call specifically to the Gentiles. What does that have to do with our discussion here in 1 Peter? Well, we are seeking to answer the question, to whom was Peter called to strengthen and encourage? Was he called to strengthen and encourage Gentiles? Or was he called to strengthen and encourage fellow Jews? But we need not speculate or postulate. We simply need to look at the text before us. The letter of Peter answers the question for us. Back to 1 Peter. We continue seeking to answer that question. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 14. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 14, we find Peter stating, As obedient children... Do not be conformed to the former lust which were yours in your ignorance. But like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves in all your behavior, because it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. The key phrase in verse 14 is that phrase, former lust in ignorance. The Jewish people were keenly aware of the rules and the regulations of the Mosaic Code. No Jew could plead ignorance in regard to God's expectation. The Gentiles, however, were following what came naturally to their sin nature. They did not know any better. They had not seen the Mosaic Code. They were not raised in the Mosaic Code. They did not know the rules and regulations that had been established by God. And so they were doing what came naturally. Like these Gentiles, you and I walk in sin. That sin separates us from God. But when we are confronted with the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ and God's expectations, when we repent of our sin, place our faith in Jesus, make him Lord of our lives, we can no longer plead ignorance. 
we understand God's expectations for our lives. So verse 14 obviously is a reference to the Gentiles. Chapter 2, verse 10. Peter writes, For you once were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Something Peter would never ever say to converted Jews. All of the Jewish race believed that they were the people of God. Peter would never insult them by saying, you once were not a people. So who was he referring to? These believers to whom Peter was writing had been grafted into the tree. They had been made part of the family through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. You were once not a people, but now you are the people of God. What had made the difference? What had caused the transition? The shed blood of Jesus Christ had brought them into the family. It is that concept of being grafted in. The Apostle Paul used the same analogy of grafting in Romans chapter 11. It is an incredible passage. In Romans chapter 9, 10, and 11, it's a great, fabulous passage where Peter, uh, where Paul is saying to the individuals to whom he was writing, you, as a result of the Jews' disobedience, have received the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is a result of their disobedience that you have been brought into the family. And now, because you have been brought into the family, and you're going to see in a moment as we read this passage, grafted in, it is your personal responsibility to make the Jews jealous to want their God back. In Romans chapter 11, verse 17, But if some of the branches were broken off, and you being a wild olive were grafted among them and became partakers with them of the rich root of the olive tree, do not be arrogant toward the branches. What is Paul saying? You are not part of the olive tree, which is a, a historic symbol in the Old Testament of the Jewish people. You weren't a part of that covenant. And yet, as a result of the shed blood of Jesus Christ, you've been grafted in. Uh, Romans chapter 11, verse 19. You will say then, branches were broken off so that I may be grafted in. Verse 23 of Romans 11. And they also, if they do not continue in their unbelief, will be grafted in. For God is able to graft them in again. Verse 24. For if you were cut off from what is by nature a wild olive tree and were grafted contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these who are the natural branches be grafted into their own olive tree? Paul is saying to these Gentiles, don't get a big head. Don't be arrogant. What makes you think you're special? Just like you've been grafted in, those Jews have wandered away, can be grafted into the same tree that they were once a part of. Continuing in Romans 11, verses 30 and 31. 
For just as you once were disobedient to God, but now have been shown mercy because of their disobedience, so these also now have been disobedient, that because of the mercy shown to you, they also may now be shown mercy. They will see how God has extended mercy to them, and that will help them understand that God also extends that same mercy to them. For God has shut up all in disobedience so that he may show mercy to all. What an incredible passage of Scripture. So being grafted in is a reference to the Gentiles being made part of faith through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Back to 1 Peter, chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. For the time already past is sufficient for you to have carried out the desire of the Gentiles, having pursued a course of sensuality, lust, drunkenness, carousing, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. And all this they are surprised that you do not run with them into the same excesses of dissipation, and they malign you. But they will give an account to him who is ready to judge at the living and the dead. Peter's saying, look, you did those things too. And now, because you've had a transformation in your life, they wonder why you don't do the same things that you used to do. That is, the things they do. No Jew would be considered guilty of these particular sins. Staunch Jews had a strict moral standard. They would never be involved in the processes or the practices that Peter identifies here in chapter 4. So, we know through the context, simply letting Scripture interpret Scripture, that these hearers are primarily Gentile believers. That does not mean there were not Jewish believers or Jewish converts in the particular churches to whom he is writing, but it does tell us that Peter was called to strengthen and encourage primarily Gentiles. And so, as we look at this letter, he is writing primarily to Gentile believers. How do we know that? Because the Bible tells us so. <laughs> so, back to 1 Peter chapter 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ to those who reside as aliens scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia who are chosen. Notice he uses the term scattered. They are scattered throughout. So this letter was not written to a very specific church. He talks about this letter being written to those who are scattered throughout these regions he identifies. And these regions were part of the Roman Empire. And if you look at the order in which Peter lists them, where he says in verse 1, scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. This is what we now know as modern-day Turkey. But he lists them in a circular manner. You start at one, you take a circle, you come all the way around. So, what do we know? Peter meant for this letter of encouragement to be circulated among these Gentile believers 
who were suffering greatly as a result of their identification with Jesus Christ. After all, good news is worth sharing. And that reality is as true today as it was 2,000 years ago. Our world is being torn apart. People are hurting. Our world is suffering politically. It's suffering morally. It's suffering spiritually. It's suffering globally. People all around us is looking, are looking for hope. Where can they find hope in the midst of their suffering? It is our responsibility to point them to the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who suffered for them, who makes two things available to them, salvation here and heaven hereafter. After all, good news is worth sharing. So let's go and let's share that the world might know the hope that you and I have within us. We'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us in this session from First Peter. As you have been following us through this session, you have learned that Peter is seeking to encourage saints in the midst of their suffering by pointing them to the one who suffered for them and all that his suffering has made available to them. So First Peter is a letter of encouragement, and we hope this session has been an encouragement to you. If it has encouraged you, please let us know that. Knowing that we've encouraged you encourages us. If you're following us on YouTube, you can simply post a comment, or you can reach us at wordpowermm at gmx.com. We would love to hear from you. We'd love to know how we can minister to you further. So please reach out to us. Hopefully, we'll see you next session. God bless.